What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday. Far too many to keep up with, along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry. This show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, Matt Price with you as always. It's the week two edition of the podcast, fellas. We're going to do the same thing we did a week ago when we kicked off the series for the season. Uh, the most important thing from every game, and... The three of us had a chance to sit down and watch all these games, at least as much of every game as we possibly could. Ryan, let's bring you in right away. First, how you doing and what any any brief takeaways from the week as a whole in week two? I'm doing well. I mean, I, I think the obvious takeaway from week two has to be the uh, all the injuries. It was It was definitely brutal. No matter how many dynasty leagues you play in, no matter uh, who's on your roster, you... you there's no way you avoided just the carnage that we saw today. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll get to many of those specifically. Yeah, we were all affected for sure. And not just injuries in general, but big injuries to big players that could be significant and potentially last multiple weeks or even the season in some cases. Matt Price, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Uh, my you know, a couple of teams that have both Barkley and McCaffrey are are pretty unhappy right now. Uh, but <laughs> they're like, ailing. Yeah, like it's just crazy. It's just like the top tight end, the top two running backs, the top two wide receivers. Like, uh, I mean, we say this every year with injuries. I feel like, but now that like the, the like we we really have hit the 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 peak really for all of the top players. It feels like. Well, we hope it's the peak that it doesn't get worse. Get worse <laughs> as we move along throughout week two. We're recording on Sunday evening, pre Sunday night football kickoff, so there could be more carnage ahead. Hopefully, hopefully not. Not in week two. Not in week three, or or ever again. Let's get to these games, those though, guys. Uh, there's there's really a lot to talk about. We might as well start with the Thursday night football game. It was the Browns and the Bengals. Cleveland came out on top 35 to 30. Felt to me like it was a coming out party for Joe Burrow. 37 to 61, 316 yards, three touchdowns, did not throw an interception. Also added 19 rushing yards, guys. He was impressive, but the rest of that offense, I don't know if there was a lot to get too excited about. You guys wanted to talk about uh, one player in particular, Ryan, that that really let dynasty owners down. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm worried about Joe Mixon. Uh, we saw uh, a Week One performance that was disappointing, which was true across uh, across the spectrum for the Bengals. But Mixon was RB 49 in Week One, RB 21 
uh, in week two, and, and that's sure to drop with uh, with a couple more games to go. Totaled 86 yards uh, in this game, which was quite a bit better than his week one performance. But I, I think we've seen Mixon uh, be an overrated dynasty asset for, for a couple years now. I uh, checked out his numbers using some of our tools over at DLF. He's been an RB1 33% of, uh, of his games throughout his career, which, which sounds pretty good. But just since uh, Mixon's been in the league since 2017, he's, that's behind Kareem Hunt. That's behind Mark Ingram. That's behind Chris Carson. I don't know if, if we should be valuing Joe Mixon as a top 10 dynasty uh, asset or, or maybe even a top 10 dynasty running back. I don't know. Where are you guys with Mixon? It's a really good question, Ryan, because while I agree that he's been disappointing, the same could have been said a year ago where the first half of the season uh, was a major disappointment for Joe Mixon. And even though they were out of nearly every game in the first half, he ran hard all the way through the end of the fourth quarter of those games and really proved to be that top 10 asset for Dynasty managers. Uh, so he turned it around a year ago. The The thing that really concerns me more than anything watching that game, especially on Thursday night, was the lack of... A, receiving production especially in the second half of the game they were behind we thought we saw way too much Gio Bernard he was on the field a lot as they were playing catch up and Joe Burrow was looking his way he was getting those check down option if that's Joe Mixon we're we're not we're having a different conversation right now if we're talking about eight or nine catches rather than those four first half catches for 40 yards I'm willing to to let the leash out a little ways on Joe Mixon he's too talented I've always kind of said he might be the most talented, pure, uh, based on pure talent, running back in the league. I'm st- I still feel that way. I still watch him run. And he runs hard. He gets extra yardage. He's good between the tackles and on the perimeter. All the things that you want. The opportunity is a little bit concerning that he's not getting those uh, those those checkdowns, especially late in the game, if they're going to be behind moving forward. Matt, anything to add on Mixon before we move on? No, not really. It's just the entire offense seems, I mean, I don't know, maybe we've gotten a little bit ahead of ourselves on Joe Burrow. It took him 61 attempts to get to 300 yards. We just saw another rookie today who we'll get to that did that in half the attempt. So it just seems like the entire offense is really kind of out of sync and it's been, you know, really two weeks in a row. Uh, Cleveland's defense isn't really anything necessarily to <laughs> write home about, and Baltimore just trashed them. Uh, so I don't know. I, I feel like uh, Mix or excuse me, Burrow could have done been a little more efficient today. The entire offense just seemed a little bit out of sync. We saw AJ Green as well, uh, three only three catches, but thirteen targets, and a lot of those were were, were just uncatchable balls. Like they just weren't anywhere near AJ Green. So uh, a little bit concerned about the offense in general, and and when that happens, generally you got to worry about the running back too. Yeah, that that's a good point for sure. You wanted to bring up the running backs on the other side with Cleveland, Matt, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. They carried the load uh, together, really. Chubb, 22 carries, 124 yards and two touchdowns. Also had nine receiving yards. And then Hunt, especially late in the game, really took over 10 carries, 86 yards and a rushing touchdown. Also had a receiving touchdown. That was an impressive tandem on Thursday night for the Browns. Yeah, and this seems to be, you know, I mean, it's, we have a, a two-game sample size, right? So it's it's hard to really create a trend at this point, but the NFL seasons are so short in comparison to other other sports that we 
kind of have to start making assumptions early when we see things happen. And, you know, week one, they got they were just down so fast that they didn't really get to run the offense that they wanted to run, which is uh, which is my guess is is limit what Baker Mayfield's going to do to kind of limit those mistakes that he can be prone to make and just ride these two stud running backs because they have these guys are going to have them as part as the main part of their offense for for at least two more years. Right. So in, in, a, in a game script where they can keep it close or, or ahead, they're just going to ride these two running backs. And, you know, it's going to be difficult on on fantasy GMs to decide which one to play every week. Right now, it seems like both are every week starters, though. But uh, but, you know, we can have those landmines where only one of the two hits and you're kind of left holding the bag because I mean you you kind of have to start both of these guys at this point. So I'm encouraged by by the workload for both. And I think both are, are fine dynasty assets right now. Yeah, and projecting them in the short term, they feel like guys, as you said, that you can just stick in your lineup and expect some production out of both of both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Let's go on to Sunday's game and probably the biggest headline that came out of the games, particularly the early games, was the Saquon Barkley injury. The Bears outlasted the Giants 17 to 13, but the story out of this one, Ryan, is the the suspected torn ACL for Saquon Barkley. Nothing's confirmed, obviously, just yet, but the reports are not looking good for Barkley on just four carries, 28 rushing yards. Man, what are we going to do as dynasty owners with our RB1? Yeah, it's it's a huge blow, of course, to dynasty teams. I'm I'm assuming if you've got Barkley on your roster, you were probably planning to contend this year. Uh, although you were off to a a rough start after last week, and and now this, of course, is uh, is just piling on. But I immediately ran some polls on Twitter just to kind of get the pulse of the community to see what are you where are you valuing Barkley compared to some other top dynasty assets. And and he lost most of those head-to-head polls. He was the favorite over Devonte Adams and over Michael Thomas, uh, both the wide receivers. Every I think every other almost every other running back I I compared Barkley to he lost. Uh, Jacobs Josh Jacobs fifty-five percent, Jonathan Taylor sixty-six percent, Alvin Kamara sixty-three percent, Clyde Edwards-Helaire and Zeke both with seventy-one percent uh, over Barkley. Uh, the only only running back he uh, he won the poll against was Dalvin Cook, uh, pre- pretty handily. Dalvin Cook with just thirty two percent, and and he had kind of a quiet day. I'm sure you know there's 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 recency bias in these polls, obviously, but there's recency bias in your dynasty league. So I I don't think that's something we should just use as an excuse. I, I don't know if I don't know if Barkley's a top five dynasty asset anymore, especially if you're contending and if you can flip him for one of these other players that you can put in your lineup every week. You should do that. And the obvious move, if you're not contending, is to try to buy him. Yeah, the one move that I've been thinking about since the news really broke, Ryan, and, and you can tell me, I didn't didn't see your polls, but you can tell me if you mentioned it, Derek Henry is the name that pops out to me as, as the obvious offer. You're sitting on Henry. You're not necessarily a championship contender. Make that offer and try to get Saquon for 2021 and beyond. Uh, I, I like the idea of trying to make the move, uh, especially if you're not a true contender. If you look at your roster and honestly say, doesn't feel like I'm, I'm going to win a championship in 2020, I like making those offers to try to get Saquon because, as you said, so many of the Barkley owners, uh, they were contenders and they were trying to win this thing this year, Matt. 
I just I just want I like the the idea. I just wonder like how many of those guys like like it was kind of shown in your polls, Ryan. How many of those guys you could actually you know move Barkley for at this point? Because a lot of those rookies are probably on on rebuild teams. So why are they going to take on an older running back who is also hurt right now over these young guys and Hilaire and 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 Taylor that uh, you know are healthy and and producing and are going to be better long term assets for for rebuilding teams? And then you know the guys that have uh, you're going to have to find the, basically like I don't know like maybe the non contender that has has Kamara and Zeke that uh, might want to move it for a, r- another for a younger a little bit younger of a running back get a little bit of age discount but it just seems like it's going to be a, a tough tough to sit tough you know a tough ass to, to get him out you might have to go down to like you said down to Josh Jacobs to the the Derrick Henry line that's I, that is kind of the line I think where if uh, if I'm in a position where I want to trade for Barkley it's it's going to have to be that far down the list it's not going to be one of these top guys for for a variety of reasons so uh, it is concerning I think that you know he if he has this ACL and he comes back you know it's early enough in the season that he, his, his value is certainly going to rise again so I, I think the, the move and unless you just really need like you like this is your your one year window to win like I, I don't really feel like it's it's time to panic with him like I think you're going to have to hold to at least until we get closer to the tw- start of the 2021 season if you want to move him for anything close to what his value should be when healthy so it's a it's a it's a tough one yeah I agree it's hard to think long term when these injuries happen but we've seen the historical data we've seen the the player value adp trade value whatever you want to use um obviously dip and then and then rise back up so the best time to buy saquon barkley is is going to really be in the in the next couple of weeks because matt you're totally right the longer we go on the the more value he's going to gain as teams fall out of contention in your dynasty leagues they're they're going to start valuing him more and of course, close the closer we get just to the end of the season. He's obviously going to get moved in dynasty leagues over the yeah. next few days and couple of weeks, though. But I, your, your point is well taken that his value get the closer we get to him returning, the the faster that uh, that value returns. Just for the record, guys, Deion Lewis ten carries, twenty yards, and a touchdown. Also added four receptions for thirty six yards. Wayne Gallman was a surprise scratch. He'll be active next week. What are we doing on the waiver wire? Maybe you're a Saquon owner and you need need some help. Is is there any recommendation, Ryan, we can make for for these backups in New York? I'm, it, it's going to be ugly. Uh, the Giants, <laughs> the Giants' offense was already ugly. Um, if I'm, I mean, if I'm a contender, I'm not relying on Deion Lewis or Wayne Gallman. And, and if I'm not a contender, like, why even bother? So, yeah, look. Elsewhere. I mean, if you have deep rosters, yeah, throw them, throw them on your on your bench just in case, but. I'd probably I'd probably just avoid it altogether. Probably not putting in any big fab waivers waiver bids for for those two names. Let's move on to probably the game of the day on Sunday, the Atlanta Falcons, who should have won against the Dallas Cowboys, but frankly pissed it down their leg. Cowboys 40, Falcons 39. Lots of stuff to talk about here, guys. It was all about those receivers, some good, some bad. Kelvin Ridley, back-to-back games with two receiving touchdowns, seven for 109 yards in those two scores. Julio Jones was a massive disappointment, two for 24, also dropped a touchdown that that 
would have saved his day. He looked hobbled, uh, had a little bit of an injury himself, so that was a story there. And then C.D. Lamb, he led the led the Cowboys in receiving six catches for 106 yards, also had a carry for nine yards. It looked like he was getting opportunities in the middle of the field to get open. He's he's a guy that we can count on moving forward, fellas, and, and stick him in our lineup as a flex every single week because he's going to get chances in the middle of the field. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about C.D. Lamb. I, I actually had him as a wide receiver one, a top 12 wide receiver in my rankings entering the season, uh, and I'm feeling pretty good about that call right now. There's another Cowboy worth talking about this week and another waiver wire guy worth mentioning, Ryan. Uh, we, we were we were high on a Cowboys tight end in the offseason, some of us were, and, and he he went down to injury in week one and then now they, they have a replacement for him, it appears. Dalton Schultz, 10 targets, 9 catches for 88 yards, and a score. What are we, what are we bidding on Dalton Schultz, Ryan, in FAB on the waiver wire? Well, well first, I, I guess I should say that if you're like me, you probably just missed on Dalton Schultz last week. Uh, and he's, pro- he's possibly already been uh, scooped up after uh, Jarwin's injury in that game last week. But I, I wasn't really a believer um, Schultz did almost nothing after Jarwin went out, and then we see him today with a with a week to get ready and kind of being more prepared for his role. and And he leads the Cowboys in targets. So, um, if you're if you're hurting at tight end, I, I would be pretty aggressive on him and just hope that nobody grabbed him last week. Yeah, he, he's probably rostered in most deep leagues for sure. But if he's out there, he's he's worthy of a very aggressive bid. Probably going to get over 50% on the waiver wire, especially in those tight end premium leagues. Let's talk about the Lions and the Packers. Green Bay took care of business 42-21. to And one of the biggest, biggest playmakers of Sunday was Aaron Jones. 18 carries, 168 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Also... Four catches for 68 yards and a score and an incredible uh, leaping catch on the sideline that should catch the eyes of everybody who has questioned if Aaron Jones can be that kind of receiver. Matt, he was impressive, looked all of the that high-end elite running back one that we saw from late 2019. What are your thoughts on Aaron Jones moving forward? Man, I, if if this Devontae Adams hamstring injury lingers or he misses some time, like, we're going to see lots and lots of Aaron Jones. It's going to be it's going to be like the 2019 Packers again, right? And we've talked about how Aaron Jones there's no way he can catch he can get 19 touchdowns again, and you know that's probably not. But he has four touchdowns in two games now, so and he's going to be the focal point of that offense with 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 Devontae Adams uh, if if he misses some time. So my question here is, you know, what do we see? Like he's an unrestricted free agent in 2020. And we've all just assumed he's not coming back. But if he again becomes just this, um, um, just incredibly integral part of the offense, uh, like I, I, I have to feel that, you know, there's a it increases the chance that they might bring him back, even though he doesn't have one right now, and there's been no contract talks. So, and if he does stay in Green Bay. Uh, do we have to do we do we move him up? I know he's getting older, but he's clearly an elite asset with this team. Uh, he stayed as the running back fifteen uh, from uh, 
September, or excuse me, from August ADP, uh, he stayed at running back 15 from, from 2019 all the way to 2020, uh, the same spot. So he basically maintained his value from an ADP standpoint. And, uh, you know, seeing this production and the fact that he's going to be that target main point of the offense, like I, I just have to imagine that uh, the Green Bay is going to want to try to resign them. I'm not, I don't know if they can, but uh, it seems like they, they probably need to. Matt, I don't know if you were, you overlooked it or perhaps missed it, but a couple of weeks ago, Jones did report himself that uh, on NFL Network that he was they had some contract talks. So maybe there's a little bit of something in the works with Jones as a Packer fan and a Jones owner. Uh, Matt, though, how excited would you be to see Jones sign a new three or four year deal along the lines of maybe Delvin Cook's deal or Alvin Kamara's, who was recently signed? I mean, from a from a fan standpoint, I'd be pretty excited about it. From like a cap standpoint and their ability to add other players, uh, you know, from from that kind of angle, it it makes me a little bit nervous to spend a lot of money on a running back. But if they're not going to do it at receiver, then why not bring back the guy that they know is productive for them? <laughs> no doubt. Uh, for the record, the other running backs in Green Bay, Jonathan Williams, eight carries for 63 yards, so he was productive once again. And then A.J. Dillon really didn't see much time on the field until garbage time, late, late, late in the fourth quarter, five carries for 17 yards. Matt, you mentioned the Adams injury, and I want to bring in Ryan McDowell on this as well. If, if Adams misses some time, how confident are you in Marquez Velda scantling three catches for 64 yards, and Alan Lazard, three catches for 40 yards, or 45 yards, to fill those shoes, really, and potentially being useful for dynasty managers? I've been impressed with both of those guys so far through the first two weeks, um, and have been impressed with the overall offense of the Packers, so uh, if Devontae does miss some time, it's it sounds like it's a hamstring injury. We've seen uh, we've seen that same injury cost other wide receivers playing time this year and, and actual game time this year. So obviously hoping it's not uh, not very severe and, and that we see him back out there next week. Uh, but if not, I, I feel pretty good about sticking MVS in my lineup. Yeah, MVS in particular, maybe even Lazard as well, depending on how bad you need these guys. They could be useful as wide receiver threes going forward. How about the Vikings and the Colts? It was it was all Indianapolis in this one, fellas, 28 to 11, and it was all Jonathan Taylor out of that backfield. 26 carries, 101 yards and a touchdown. Also caught two passes for nine more yards. Really productive in his first chance to really grab hold of that job. Matt, your thoughts on Taylor and him moving forward. Yeah, I, I question how high can we move him at this point. I, I think I was the lowest on him before I moved him up today. I moved him up to running back seven uh, just behind Miles Sanders, and that might even be you know a question mark, honestly, if you were talking about age, buying back two years. So, I mean, he's – He's he's basically a borderline top five guy, right? That's 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 where just just where it's at. And if you are at are of the opinion that Barkley is now you know worth less or about the same as him, you can see even see him getting up into the top top three to four, uh, depending on how you feel about Kamara and his role right now. So uh, he's. He's. I, I think he's. I think we've we've reached the the point where Jonathan Taylor is is unattainable, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I know. Uh, I saw a trade go down last week of Michael Thomas and Austin Eckler for Jonathan Taylor. Um, there was another wow. another one that was actually rejected. I was 
talking with a a friend of mine. He offered Joe Mixon and a first rounder for Jonathan Taylor, and that was shot down. So that's that's kind of where the value was. That was a week ago. Of course, that's post Mac injury, but before uh, before we saw Taylor really take charge of that backfield. I mean, the other story along with Taylor is Naheem Hines. We yeah we came out of week one thinking this is a guy we can use as a as a weekly flex option. And uh, I mean, he, he hardly played. So that's, that's good news for Taylor. It, it's kind of frustrating for, for Hines. If you um, stuck him in your lineup or if you in, invested in him in your, uh, in your redraft league, it's, it's going to be a week to week thing. He's still going to have a role. It's not going to be as bad as it was today, but it, he's definitely not a weekly flex guy either. Yeah, it was it was kind of messy behind Jonathan Taylor because Jordan Wilkins had nine carries for 40 yards. And as you said, Hines, zero carries, just one catch for four yards. So disappointed a lot of Dynasty managers all over the place. Another big disappointment, Ryan, for Dynasty managers was the Paris Campbell injury after a strong week one. Early in the game on Sunday, he goes down with a leg injury, had just the one carry. Uh, it's, it's certainly disappointing for all of us truthers of Paris Campbell. Yeah, I asked, uh, I asked last week on Twitter who, which player gained the most value after week one, and, and there were a huge, a wide variety of answers, of course, but I, I think it was Paris Campbell that got the most, uh, the most votes or the most mentions. Uh, I was a little surprised with that. He didn't have a huge statistical game in week one, but uh, when, you, when you dig a little bit deeper, he was basically being treated like the top option there. And, and Paris Hilton was, or I'm sorry, uh, Paris Hilton. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. T.Y. Hilton was, <laughs> was struggling. I think I'd rather have Paris Hilton than T.Y. Hilton right now. Careful, Ryan. <laughs> careful. Um, but yeah, to see that, to see Campbell go down with that injury early in the game was, was disappointing. We have heard that it's not an ACL injury. So maybe holding out some hope that uh, we see him again, this season or maybe even in a few weeks. Uh, but again, with alongside that Hilton, just a huge disappointment wide receiver 50 last week, wide receiver 72 with, with some room to drop this week. I, I, I don't even know what's going on with, with Hilton. It's just to say, how about Mo Alley Cox though? It kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Jack, Jack Doyle is inactive and, and we've seen, you know, we, we've seen the game plan from Philip Rivers. So maybe maybe this is what's happening with T.Y. Hilton, that uh, he's he's a step slower. Rivers is not going to use his deep threats. So uh, it, it's kind of two strikes at the same time against Hilton. And it's it's going to be tight ends and it's going to be running backs and it's going to be those slot guys like Paris Campbell. Yeah, the, the Campbell injury was certainly disheartening, especially considering the injuries he struggled with as a rookie. He showed flashes from time to time, did that again in week one, and then to go down in week two right away. I actually stuck him in my lineup in one league over some strong options, thought the breakout was coming and thought it was coming in week two, and it, my my dreams were dashed early in that matchup. Before we move on to the rest of these games, guys, let's talk about our friends over at monkeyknifefight.com. They're the fastest growing daily fantasy sport 
site on the planet. Monkey Knife Fight is giving you free money and free Dynasty football content with your initial deposit. If you were listening last week, you knew that I tried Monkey Knife Fight for the first time a week ago and had a lot of success. I dipped my toe back in again in week two. It didn't go quite as good, but the touchdowns were were flowing for a few of the guys I had invested in. And I got I made my money back plus a little bit more. Uh, my favorite favorite game over at Monkey Knife Fight is the touchdown dance. I like to pick my players to get into the end zone. Aaron Jones did it for me this week, scoring three times. Also had some disappointing uh, finishes from a couple guys, Devontae Adams and Derrick Henry, weren't able to get into the end zone, so they hurt me. Luckily, though, uh, Jones Jones came through for me with those three touchdowns. So if you haven't tried it yet, you should head over to Dynasty League Football. Dot com. Click on the logo, the banner on the right side of the screen. That'll hit, send you to, over to monkeyknifefight.com. You put in your $10 deposit, and Monkey Knife Fight will not only match that deposit up to $50, they'll also get you a free one-year DynastyLeagueFootball.com subscription. So you'll double your bankroll up to 50 bucks. You'll get to play lots of fun games over at Monkey Knife Fight, and you'll also add a year to your subscription right here at DLF. So don't get algorithmed by other fantasy owners, the top 1% who dominate those other sites. Head over to Monkey Knife Fight. Enjoy their games that they offer and add to your uh, subscription at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Go over to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the banner, and start up your uh, your Monkey Knife Fight experience like I did last week. Guys, we should talk about the Bills and the Dolphins. A lot of us didn't get a lot of chances to watch much of this game because of the delays that happened and then some. Uh, I guess some problems with the... With the CBS, uh, uh, their their telecast or whatever, the Bills took care of business though, thirty-one to twenty-eight, and Josh Allen once again, Ryan, he looked good. He really did. He he looked great. Uh, I know last week we saw the stat that it was his first three hundred yard game, uh, but but he still did a lot of his damage on the ground last week. This this week hardly rushed at all. I think he had eighteen or twenty rushing yards. Uh, but he threw for over 400 uh, passing yards. So his value to me has got to be rising. But when I look at the the quarterback ranks, it, it feels like there's a ceiling there just because of the elite quarterbacks that we have right now. Of course, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson at the top, uh, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, and, and Russell Wilson are, are the next guys for most people. And I guess I I wanted to hear from you guys if you think Josh Allen is the next guy or maybe if he's even ahead of a couple of those guys. I, I've got him seven. I don't think I can get him higher than seven. He's still behind Russell Wilson for me, and I don't I don't think I can get him ahead of any of those other guys that you mentioned, Ryan. Like, I think he's almost in – like, I, I kind of have Wilson in a tier of his own after those top five guys, uh, I guess mostly because of age. And I think you could argue putting Allen there with Wilson – uh, but I, I kind of have another tier break there. And then it feels like Allen is kind of in his own own tier as well, you know, just ahead of guys like Wentz and, and Burrow. And, you know, I guess we can consider Goff a, a, up there at this point. Uh, but, you know, I feel like there's a there's a, 
a gap again between Allen and the rest of the field after there's a gap between Russell uh, Wilson and Josh Allen. So it's it, it's hard to see him moving up at this point. But I mean, if he keeps playing like he has the first two weeks, then uh, he's at least got to get up there with Wilson, even if it's just for the age discount. Yep, that's how I have it as well. And uh, one other stat I did just want to throw in on Allen. I was I was blown away by this. Uh, 729 passing yards through two games. That represents uh, basically a quarter of his 2019 production in 16 full games. Uh, 24% wow. of his passing yards from last year already in two games this season. It really feels like he's taken that step forward. And he, he made some throws in week one that were dis, disappointing uh, to us as dynasty players. He missed some open receivers, didn't make those kind of mistakes in week two against the Dolphins. Speaking of Miami, man, it was just disappointing as a dynasty owner to see the stat lines that were posted there. Ryan Fitzpatrick was was decent, of course, but not many were using him. 328 yards and two scores, but the running game, all those guys were useless. Gaskin, 7 for 46. Matt Breda, 7 for 37. Jordan Howard, just five carries, four yards, and one touchdown. Parker saved his day with a two-yard touchdown. He went five for 53, and Preston Williams was disappointing at one catch for just 26 yards. Mike Gusecki was maybe the lone bright spot, guys. Eight catches, 130 yards, and one touchdown. Matt, can we trust any of these Dolphins to put in our lineups? I think we can kind of trust Gusecki. I mean, it was kind of his coming out party. He had, had seven targets last week, 11 this week. So he's clearly Fitzpatrick's favorite target, I think. I mean, it's you know it's it's minimally over i guess Devontae parker still who was uh surprise active he also got eight targets isaiah ford got nine targets so you know he is spreading it around but it does seem like gaseki is the favorite right now and you know the, that back end tight end one uh, i mean we have more options than ever i think but it's still kind of like a you know put a blindfold on and, and throw a dart and pick one and gaseki is maybe emerging as, as one of those guys that we can trust you know tight end is tough it's tough to say that outside of two or three guys that you can trust the same one every single week but you know gaseki's getting closer to that to that range so i think he's the one out of this group uh preston williams his day would have looked a little bit better if he hadn't dropped that touchdown uh towards the end of the game there uh but but yeah i think it's gaseki and you know if you have to you start one of these receivers yeah, maybe. It's tough though, Matt. You were thinking maybe maybe a switch at quarterback might might change the the fortunes of of some of these Miami Dolphins players? Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's obviously just pure speculation at this point, but I, I for a little while thought that, you know, maybe they just wanted to get, get Tua through these first two games against, you know, relatively tough defense in the Patriots and the Bills. You know, Bills, one of the, maybe one of the best in the league, although Fitzpatrick did put up 20 point, 28 points on them. So, you know, maybe that's a little bit in question, but a little bit softening up here with the Jaguars and Seahawks coming up. Uh, so, you know, it's, it feels like a spot where if they did want to make a change, you know, 0-2, if they wanted to see what the rookie can do at this point, then it's a spot where they they could make that, and you know more, the games get a little more difficult after those those two with the with the Broncos and Chargers, but uh, and, and the Forty ers excuse me. Um, but you know, I feel like this is a spot that they could do it if they wanted to. All right, let's move on to the San Francisco Forty ers and the New York Jets guys. The Forty ers hammered the Jets thirty one to thirty one, or excuse me, thirty one to thirteen. Man, injuries just piled up for the 49ers, even in this big win. And for dynasty owners, Jimmy Garoppolo is the one that probably sticks out the most and and maybe only to super flex uh, players out there because – 
Garoppolo isn't a normal or a, or a regular starter in single quarterback leagues. Looks like a high ankle sprain. Typically, that's a multi-week injury, even for a quarterback. Ryan, how much fab you you think we should spend in these super flex leagues when it comes to Nick Mullins? Well, if you're like me, you already have him on your roster. Uh, <laughs> oh, good for you. Hat tip, buddy. Well no, done. I, I, I was impressed with Mullins when we saw him, uh, what, I guess that was a couple years ago now, <clears throat> um, playing a ton, of, a ton of time for San Francisco. So uh, I've, I've always kind of stashed him if I had room on my roster. But um, with really with all the, the injuries that this entire team is dealing with, of course, uh, Debo Samuel's on IR, uh, along with, Garoppolo, uh, Raheem Mostert, and Tevin Coleman also both went out with knee injuries today. This is and and George Kittle obviously missed the game as well. This is kind of feeling like a team I I, I want to stay away from. Uh, in Superflex, anytime you can get a starter, especially if it's from the waiver wire, you have to be aggressive. Uh, but as far as the overall outlook, if Garoppolo misses time with this high ankle sprain, uh, it's it's not great. Yeah, it's not good for any of those 49ers options. The other kind of savvy thing to think about, they had a pile of injuries on defense as well as San Francisco takes on some of these opponents. We might not be quite as afraid of this 49ers defense in the in the next few weeks, so keep that in mind when setting your lineups uh, in the next couple weeks. Matt, how about uh, Raheem Mostert? Another big touchdown to start off a game. Uh, he was impressive before that knee injury. Yeah, I kind of wrote this down before before the injury happened. But, you know, first play of the game, that toss at Mostert, 80-yard touchdown. Hit the fastest top speed since tw- in the league since 2017 at over 23 miles an hour. So I kind of joked that who, who's faster, him or, or Tyreek Hill? He, he was at least for today and over the last two years anyway. But now with that MCL injury, you know, it kind of puts a hamper on being able to move. And I was going to recommend, you know, going out. And if you're a contender, maybe even paying a second for him. And if you're not a contender, go ahead and, and see if you can get a first for him. So he's kind of like in that middle ground range. But now with his injury... Uh, he's probably not going to be moving too much, I would guess. Yeah, what does this do for McKinnon, guys? Obviously, we don't know how long Mostert or Coleman will be banged up or if they'll miss any time at all, but McKinnon could have a have a uptick in his role in that offense. Two, two big weeks on limited opportunities, so if he can continue that efficiency on, on more opportunities, yeah, I, I think he's somebody who we have to at least think about starting next week. Yeah, he he's obviously going to be in lineups after after news in the off season or in the preseason training camp, and then and then a nice week one. But he's a guy that maybe you could cash in on if you've been holding him on your roster and get some kind of value back for him. Rams and Eagles they tangled, and while it was close in the second half, the Rams pulled away thirty-seven to nineteen. The big story here is Tyler Higby: five catches, fifty-four yards, but three touchdowns, guys. Uh, before we get to an injury that we need to talk about in that backfield for the Rams, we got to talk about Higby. It seems like some might want to sell him early now once once he has another big game like he did late last season. Some might just want to roll with him every single week. I seem to be in the latter. I want him in my lineup because these big games are going to come, and he might have some disappointments uh, along the way as well, Ryan. But Higby was a monster around the goal line and made a big play as well. Uh, he's a guy I want in my lineup. How about you? Yeah, same, same for me. I want him in my lineup. And we saw this last year, really over the past couple of years with the Rams, with Woods and Cup and and Brandon Cooks at the time, kind of alternating big weeks 
And we'll, I think we'll continue to see the same thing, except now it's it's Higby mixing in uh, pretty quiet in week one, but obviously the, the monster game in week two. Just just a guy you have to put in your lineup and assume he's going to give you tight end one numbers every single week. Yeah, and maybe hope for that big game from every now and then. Hopefully you had him in your lineup this week when he had that three touchdown game we should talk about that backfield Matt because Cam Akers left the game early after being featured on that first drive three carries for 13 yards early in the game but then injured his arm and didn't return Daryl Henderson he came in 12 carries for 81 and a touchdown also caught two passes and Malcolm Brown although he didn't have any targets 11 carries or for 47 yards what about this backfield with the Rams Matt what are you doing with these guys I feel like it's an opportunity to to get out on Henderson. We'll have to see how this Acres injury shakes out, but we've seen Hender, Henderson have his own trouble with injuries. He's had a he had a a, a decent game, but uh, you know Malcolm Brown is still certainly going to be mixed in there, even even if he is healthy and Acres is not. So. Uh, you know, if you've been holding this whole time and you're looking to to just make something, it seems like a good time to go ahead and do that. I don't know if you can get even a second at this point. You, you might be able to get it off of this performance, I guess. But uh, it, it it I don't I don't know. It just feels like I am personally ready to get out out on Henderson if I can. I'm not sure if I am willing to trust uh, this performance this week. Uh, you know, going forward, especially if Acres' injury is not serious. Is that enough for you, Matt? You taking a second for Daryl Henderson? I think so. I think that's that's enough for me. How about you, Ryan? What are your thoughts on Henderson and what it would take to pry him away from your roster? Yeah, I think I would take a second as well. I, I like the idea in general. Uh, I, I would. Uh, I did also see a report that Malcolm Brown was also injured in this game, so likely what led to the usage for Daryl Henderson. And we'll just see between Brown and Akers if if either or both are able to come back. But I don't think the I don't think the Rams' game plan is to roll with Daryl Henderson as their uh, nearly full time back. Uh, so yeah, selling him right now is not a bad idea. Yeah, we'll see what happens this week with those injuries. But if it looks like they're 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 going to be out talking about Brown and Acres, perhaps Henderson can get you that one big game that'll get you a little bit more on the trade market. I don't blame anybody who wants to get out right now, especially if they can get that second round. Pick. How about Denver and Pittsburgh, guys? Uh, Ryan, the Steelers won 26-21, to and James Conner was a big reason why. Yeah, he absolutely was. Um, com- comes back after the disappointing week one that saw him injured and saw uh, Benny Snell really look like the best back on the field, uh, and-, and then it totally flip-flops. I mean, we know... We know this is Mike Tomlin's preference and, and his coaching style that he wants to rely on that uh, that one-back system. And if, if Connor's healthy, it's going to be Connor. That's what we saw today. I'm still not trusting Connor to stay healthy. So uh, Matt mentioned it with Daryl Henderson. Connor would be a guy I would be trying to sell this week or, or really as soon as possible. What kind of return can dynasty owners expect for Connor, especially considering that injury history? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're going to, you're not, you're not tricking anybody in your league. Everybody knows the deal with Connor uh, at this point, especially after last week. I'm, I'm just trying to get a, a draft pick. I would take, I think I'd probably take a second for him. Honestly, would definitely take like a second and a third or a disappointing young player, you know, like if, can you get Brandon Ayuk for him? Something like that. That's, that's the kind of moves I would be trying to make. 
Yeah, that that was the su- suggestion I was about to make. It, you might do a little bit better going after a player, maybe one of these rookies that haven't made a splash just yet that were picked either late, late, late in the first round or early in the second round. Ayuk is a good example of that for sure. I wanted to talk about Noah Fant, guys, back-to-back. Nice weeks after going 5 for 81 in a touchdown last week. He added four catches for 57 yards and another score in week two against a tough Steelers defense. My question for you guys, how valuable is Noah Fant in Dynasty right now? He was the tight end eight in September ADP behind Zach Ertz at four, then Evan Ingram, Darren Waller, and TJ Hawkinson. There's probably a case to be made that he could move in front of a couple of these guys, if not all of them potentially. Noah Fant looks like a playmaker. They're looking to get him the ball. They're creating plays to get the ball in his hands on the perimeter, and he's doing something with it once it hits his hands. Uh, Another impressive game, Ryan. What do you think of Fant and his prospects moving forward? Yeah, I like Fant a lot. Uh, Already already did like him and and have been impressed, as you said, with his first two games. Uh, I moved him up a little bit, was already, I guess, above consensus if we're basing that on ADP. But I moved him up to tight end four above Evan Ingram, uh, who I'm starting to worry about just due to that uh, that entire offense. He, he's at the top of my third tier behind those obvious top three guys, Kittle, Andrews, Kelsey. I've got him at six right now, uh, but, you know, I could be convinced to, to move him a little bit higher than that. I still, he's still, you know, he's being very extremely efficient with his targets right now, but, you know, I know it's just one and two respectively, but uh, he did have, he he, he was the was tied for fourth in targets t- today. So behind Judy, behind Sutton, behind Hamler, uh, two of those had six and cut, uh, sorry, excuse me, two of those had seven and then Sutton also had six. So, you know, as long as he keeps up this efficiency and, you know, like you said, they are creating plays for him and he's able to complete those. I think the sky the limit my concern with him and always has been uh that he is always going to be three at best in terms of the pecking order um so i'm still a little bit hesitant to put him up to that that upper echelon of that second or third tier uh depending on how you have those top three guys broken out but you know it's hard to to hate on him after two weeks right now yeah he's just hard to ignore no doubt especially when you see him uh, that athletic profile that he has, he's he's one of a kind, or at least along the lines of some of those guys that we've seen move all the way up to the top of the tight end uh, wish list for Dynasty owners. How about the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Buccaneers get their first win of the Tom Brady era, 31-17. to Mike Evans had a big game for Dynasty owners, seven catches, 104 yards, And a touchdown, Leonard Fournette, 116 total yards, including a couple of scores. Uh, He was, he looked pretty good in in limited touchdown or touches, Ryan. And it looks like he may be the featured back or at least be getting the lion's share of the touches out of that backfield in Tampa Bay over Rojo. Yeah, that's, that's the way I see it going. And it was, uh, it, it was kind of, that's that's the way it was progressing into the second half, and as that game was was really on the line, they went with uh, went with Leonard Fournette. He made a huge catch, uh, which is uh, always nice to see from him, and then broke that touchdown run uh, of of around fifty yards that that really just ended the game. Yeah, I mean Fournette Fournette is has re- almost always been an underrated player in Dynasty. The hate is out there. I get it. Uh, in some ways, we can say the same thing for Ronald Jones, but I think Fournette is just the more talented player. Yeah, and he got those opportunities again on Sunday. He's he's certainly a lot more useful now than, than he was a few weeks ago when he was released. 
by the Jaguars. The other storyline out of this game, Matt, and you touched on it, is the Christian McCaffrey injury. Also, we touched on it late last week on on that episode uh, when he had just three receptions, just four this week when they're playing from behind. There's some reason for concern, not only the injury, but also the PPR usage for Christian McCaffrey, Matt. What are your thoughts on McCaffrey in general moving forward? Yeah, I'm I'm still not super concerned about the workload. Uh, I mean, he's not getting the 10 targets that he did on multiple occasions last season, of course, uh, but still heavily used uh, in the running game. And he had, in last season, he had his two worst games of the season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who maybe have the best run defense in the league, and he was still able to get two touchdowns out of that. So as long as the, anchor, the ankle's okay, then I'm, I'm still all aboard Christian McCaffrey. Hopefully that ankle is okay. We'll see how that looks throughout the week. Let's talk about DynastyOwner.com. If you've been looking for a new challenge, it's time to start playing over there. Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office and is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries. By adding the strategy of running an entire NFL franchise, Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash DL for more information on this unique, thrilling fantasy football experience. If you're looking for that new challenge, Dynasty Owner can give you just that. They favor skilled players who can manage a roster using real NFL salaries within a salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. Go to DynastyOwner.com DLF. Validate your fantasy football skills. That's DynastyOwner.com DLF. Dynasty Owner, start your dynasty Today, it's Jacksonville and Tennessee, fellas. We got four more games to cover in just a few minutes to do it, so let's roll through them. Titans take care of the Jaguars, 33-30. to Jonu Smith had a big game, Matt. Yeah, uh, we, Ryan and I were talking before we started recording, and he said this was aggressive, and it probably is, but I've moved him up to that, that, that third tier along with Noah Fant, uh, tight end five or six. Uh, you know, I can flip-flop those guys either way. But super impressive on, on his work touch, on his touches again for the second week in a row. If A.J. Brown is going to miss any extended time, it seems like he is going to be the primary uh, pass catcher and probably not Corey Davis, who you know played had, had a decent game as well. But his ability to, to break those big plays from the tight end position is something we're looking for. For just like we were just talking about with with Noah Fan and Smith has shown consistently that when he's given the opportunities he can do that so I'm very excited about him I think it's hard to put him anywhere you know lower than to say tight end seven or eight uh, and I have him a little bit higher than that so I'm I'm, I'm very excited about Johnny Smith going forward in this offense uh, and Ryan Tannehill you know I was very skeptical again with the, that that they were going to be able to replicate this offense uh, and it is a little bit different he's having to throw the ball uh, quite a bit more and I, I questioned his ability to continue and keep up that efficiency but he's doing it again with another big game today four touchdowns so that's nothing but good for Johnny Smith yeah nothing but good what we saw from Johnny Smith it I was impressed as well and it, it's hard to be a Noah Fant fan as I think you alluded to there and not be a Johnny Smith fan because he has a lot of that same athleticism big play ability other notes from this game came from the Jacksonville side James Robinson 16 carries 102 yards and a touchdown for the undrafted rookie. Also caught three passes for 18 yards. And Ryan Gardner Minshew, again, coming up big. 30 for 45 passing, 339 yards, three touchdown. Did throw those two picks, but added 19 rushing yards. It's hard not to be impressed with Minshew and what he can do, especially in, in that sometimes that garbage time type of role. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with both of these young guys uh, and, and 
both basically started their careers with zero dynasty value and and it continues to climb for both of them Minshew quarterback nine on the season so far of course uh, only only two games in but that's I think much better than most people expected and and really the most important thing for both of those guys is that Jacksonville is uh, they, they get the win last week and they were competitive today on the road had a chance to win that game um, so of course the the narrative coming into the season that Jacksonville is is just waiting on Trevor Lawrence and uh, I don't think that's a safe assumption anymore yeah not probably not I wrote the rookie report card last week and I mentioned James Robinson I was kind of down on him after watching that game on Sunday in week two I think I may have uh, underestimated the undrafted rookie Washington took on the Arizona Cardinals and they didn't play them all that close. Cardinals won 30 to 15 on Sunday and it was all Kyler Murray, 26 to 38, 286 yards and a touchdown in the air. Also threw one pick, but eight for 67 and two rushing scores, guys. His main target, Ryan, DeAndre Hopkins, the new kid on the block. Eight catches, 68 yards, and another score. Just just dominating that target share in Arizona and proving to be everything that he was in Houston and maybe even more. Yeah, a lot of people were wrong about Hopkins and myself certainly included in that as far as what we should expect from him this year and as a result how that would impact his dynasty value. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering at this point, is Hopkins – is Hopkins the dynasty wide receiver one again? He's he's 28 years old, uh, and, and we know how he started the season. We know Michael Thomas is hurt. We know Devontae Adams is at least banged up. And, and there's other names to throw in there, Tyreek Hill, and uh, you can go with some of the young guys, DK Metcalf or, or Chris Godwin's another one who is injured. I, I tweeted today, it feels like there's not a dynasty wide receiver one. I don't know who it is. These guys are all in in one big tier for me. Maybe it's just Hop. Maybe it's Hopkins. Yeah, you know who it is. It's, it's D Hop for sure. It, man, he's looked good in two weeks and the whole age thing and moving teams. I hedged as well, and I've been one of the biggest Hopkins fans uh, throughout his career. I know you have as well, Ryan. I traded him away in a few leagues, and it's turning out to be a mistake because he's the kind of guy that's going to carry people to dynasty championships this year. It's a shame. Man, a lot of us didn't see it coming. One other note from the game, guys. Terry McLaurin, he looked good out there. Seven catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Um, man, he's he's smooth out there. Uh, Going to make a lot of big plays for Dynasty owners. Yeah, the other thing, Dan, I noticed from this game was, and, and everyone noticed, I'm sure, was uh, Antonio Gibson's usage after mm. we saw Peyton Barber get the two touchdowns last week and and, and see the, the bulk of the work late in the game. This was this was all Antonio Gibson, and that's what we should expect moving forward. He's going to slide into your running back, too, moving forward. One carry this week for Peyton Barber. That's it. He's going to slide under the waiver wire. A <laughs> <laughs> couple more games to go, guys. Ravens 33, Texans 16. You know, guys, it was really a disappointing game for dynasty managers everywhere. Even Lamar, 204 yards and a touchdown, 16 carries for 54. Kind of, I guess, one of his worst games since taking over as the starter for the Ravens. Mark Andrews was disappointing, was banged up a little bit, 1 for 29. Marquise Brown, 5 for 42. Ingram had the long touchdown that saved his day, 9 for 55 in the score, also two catches. J.K. Dobbins didn't get a lot of work. 
saved a little bit if you slid him into the flex with a with a long carry late in the fourth carry quarter two carries 48 yards uh, also caught a pass for 13 Watson was disappointing David Johnson only 50 total yards Brandon Cooks was okay five for 95 wasn't able to get into the end zone it was just a disappointment it really was you think of both of these teams uh, having a lot of fantasy relevant players and, and players that are going to be in lineups and almost all of them disappointed uh, today at I guess the only takeaway for me is you kind of mentioned it there, Dan Dobbins did not get a touch in the first half at all uh, and didn't end only ended with three total. So uh, a, a little bit of worry as just as far as the short term goes. Will Fuller, zero targets in a week two. Oh yeah. He, he should have been listed on the disappointment <laughs> for sure. He, he got hurt, you know, yeah. Uh, on, yeah. on a day we saw, uh, we saw Jordan Reed score twice. We saw, Tyler Eifert um, get targeted in the end zone. Not all of those guys could could survive, and it was it was Will Fuller that was that was the victim. No doubt, uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers. Man, the Chargers should have won this game. Uh, they lost twenty to twenty three in overtime. Joshua Kelly was impressive once again. Twenty three carries got. Got a lot of touches, 23 for 64 on the ground. Also caught two passes for 49 yards, while Eckler was also busy. 16 carries for 93 yards and four catches for 55. Man, Ryan, it feels like Joshua Kelly is a guy we can we can work around as dynasty owners. We can get him into our lineup and have a little bit of confidence with him. I think, I think so. This is, as many expected, basically a committee. Uh, it was good to see Austin Eckler... Uh, play a larger role in the passing game after almost nothing last week. And I'm still, I still feel fine putting him in my lineup, but I think we can say the same thing for Joshua Kelly. He's my dynasty RB 24. Uh, that's what he was entering the week. And uh, he may, he may actually move up a little bit after that. And the other story, obviously from the game was the, was the changeover at quarterback. It was kind of a goofy situation. We didn't expect to see, Justin Herbert, but Terod Taylor goes down to injury before the game even starts, isn't even active, and Justin Herbert just comes out and completes two out of every three passes, over 300 yards, has that touchdown, also has a rushing touchdown, looked really good, man. Yeah, you know, hopefully Terod is okay. Uh, he's had some heart some heart pain or chest pain or something like that, so I had to go to the hospital, so it was kind of a surprise start for for uh, Justin Herbert, but he looked incredible. The the disappointing part, I, I will say, I don't know if you guys saw it, Roto World just put out a blurb. Coach Anthony Lynn said that Tyrod is going to be the starter if he's 100% ready to go. I just, I don't know how you look at what Tyrod did in the first uh, first first week of, of, of NFL games against a, a, a bad Bengals defense that uh, Cleveland just tore up and then look at what Justin Herbert did today and, and go back to that. You know, I'm sure there's a little bit of it they game plan for, for, for Tyrod and and did not game plan for uh, for for Justin Herbert, but it just seems like he is <laughs> he's ready to go. He was honestly, I think I was more impressed by Herbert's performance this week than either of Joe Burrow's performances so far. So uh, this is going to be an interesting thing to watch. And totally agree on on Josh Kelly. I do think that maybe we should investigate, maybe poke around and see about buying Austin Eckler. I don't know what his price necessarily would be right now, but if the perception is kind of changing on these two, uh, I think we have to remember that uh, you know. It, 
Austin Eckler did just fine when Melvin Gordon came back last week. So even if even if uh, Joshua Kelly is, is, has got this role locked down, I think Eckler could still be productive. So we might have to look at the, the, the trends in the dynasty community kind of wavelengths this week and, and what they're thinking about Eckler and, and maybe investigate there. Is there any part of you guys, after seeing what Joshua Kelly did, that makes you think it's time to – potentially sell Kelly considering what we see with all these fourth round and later running backs. Not a lot of them really uh, come through for you. Is there any part of you that wants to sell him or are we just, we just going to put him in our lineups? I need more than a second, I think. And I don't know if you can get that. Yeah, I doubt. You I can. agree. I think I would, I think we're good waiting a little bit longer. I like the idea in general, but I think we can, I think the value will still increase. Yeah, I think so, too. And that workload, man, 25 touches in his second game as a pro while Eckler still touched it 20 times as well. That that looks good for his his future in the league. Guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We covered each game. We'll be back again next week for the week three edition of the the most important thing that happened in each game. For Ryan, for Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week.